Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. It's Always pod. like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's pod. Uh, feels good, doesn't it? Um, pod 391. And that's our first proper pod of the new season, Kevin. No preseason. This is an actual full, actual game episode. Yes, I know, because we lost on Saturday. <laughs> right back to it. Yeah, I can tell, yeah, we're back in the old routine. It's like putting on a familiar jacket. It just feels good, doesn't it? Kevin Day is here, of course. Hello to you. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, not bad. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, and uh, Jack Pierce is here as well. Hello to you. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, hello, JD. Yeah, very excited to analyse a punishing Saturday afternoon. So, yeah. <laughs> Already I'm feeling a bit more upbeat than the post-match pod on Saturday, so that's good. Uh, and joining <laughs> us, I'm making his debut today, we've got DJ, presenter and host of the International Clearance Podcast, which has some great stories about British footballers playing abroad. Oh, and of course, he's a massive Palace fan. It's one and only... Joe Walker. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Feel very home already. I'd never, well, as we discussed before, I'd never put it together that Jack Pierce was the Jack Pierce at my primary school. And and we've, we've had a lovely catch up about uh, afternoons, open days with Peter Nicholas and Clinton Morrison and David Tuttle. And it's been yeah. lovely. Jeez. Wonderful. 
Yeah, you yeah. could win David. You could win David Tuttle in the Tombola. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are thinking about making that a spin-off podcast actually, because uh, <laughs> there was a lot of great content in there. Well, Joe, welcome to the podcast. It is lovely to have you here. Um, before we crack on, we're reviewing that first game of the season, three 0 defeat at Chelsea. Of course. Um, can I get a drum roll for a random patron? It's Mr. Richard Strachan. Hey, hi, Richard. Now, Richard Hello, lives Richard. in Richard lives in Bermuda. Oh. So uh, we are really an international podcast um, and he recently joined the patron and you can get um, all the rewards that Richard does on uh, patron, including post-match podcasts, um, patron only merchandise and access to the patron only WhatsApp club, uh, which when I checked at full time on Saturday had 450 messages in it. So it, it is a very, very busy pod, uh, busy group. Um, also, Patrons get an automatic 20% off our line of FYP merchandise, but anyone can buy merchandise uh, without the discount at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. And we have a new 2010 Hillsborough themed uh, line of merchandise there available to buy right now. Um, that, F- that FYP mug's going to look lovely in a cocktail bar in Bermuda, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's what it was made for. Yeah, it's what it was sitting, made for. sitting back in the pool in a big rubber ring, <laughs> sipping Bacardi out of an FYP <laughs> cracked mug. Richard, he's, just, he, he's got life sorted, hasn't he? He's really, yeah. he's sorted it. The, JD, the 2010 range, is that like a range of clothing with uh, the blood of Sheffield Wednesday fans after Clint Hill knocked them silly? Is that yeah, it? the Clint Hill range. Um, no, it's uh, it's a range of t-shirts and we've got uh, the names of some of the Hills for Heroes on this. We've got, Ju- I think it says Julian, Clint, uh, Paddy, Danny, and uh, Darren, I think, on that. And Sean, there you go. Also the names of the blokes that Clint Hill knocked out. So, yeah, great. (laughs) Applause. Fantastic. (laughs) Worked on so many levels. Uh, Right, shall we start with that uh, first game of the season? 3-0 defeat at... European champions, Kevin, of course, Chelsea. Um, They rotated their team. uh, Still a fantastic lineup, of course. Um, It was always going to be a hard first game, wasn't it, for Palace and for Patrick Vieira in his first competitive match? You said it yourself, European champions. It's hard to see beyond them or Man City to be Premier League champions. Arguably the second best squad, if not the best squad in the Premier League on a high after winning the Super League a couple of days before. We were we were passive, slightly nervous, and yet we still only lost to a keeper's mistake and two really, really good goals. And we, you know, if you're the optimistic looking, we were 25% better than we were last season when we lost 4-0. I think the odd thing is, for all the talk... I know we're talking about tactics in the, in the second half, so we'll save that. But the odd thing is, for all the talk of, of revolution, we only had one player on the pitch that didn't start for us last season and oddly you know we were really positive like I think Palace are gaslighting us because last week at this stage we talked about how brilliant the squad was and how brilliant it was looking and then suddenly you looked at it three o'clock on Saturday you think we haven't got a squad we've only got 11 how does that happen how's that changed in the part seven days but no you can't take anything out of that it's 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 disappointing we all of course we all dreamt possibly of a you know a result there or at least a performance that was better than it was but we can't really start analyzing not even after the Brentford game we've got to wait five or six games and it's the trouble is that patience is not a watchword for football fans at the moment so there's going to be an element of panic even if we win on Saturday there's going to be an element of our fans will go well it's only Brentford let's see what happens at West Ham and then if we beat West Ham there'll be people go well it's only West Ham they've got Europe to worry about so it'll be six or seven games before we settle down and realize what's what's really going on but yeah not a brilliant start but it's probably not much better than we expected yeah there's a long way to go um that 
the squad selection or the bench, obviously four youngsters on the bench, um, that it was nine substitutes on Saturday as well. So that obviously yeah. is going to benefit yeah. teams yeah, like yeah. Chelsea and not yeah. teams like Palace. And as you say, uh, that's the new players. Uh, well, we had Anderson come off the bench, um, but obviously Eze out injured, Elise out injured. Can I, can I give you actually a little bit of an Eze injury update? I don't know how widely this is known, but one of our patrons, uh, Dylan Brewer-Harper, who's a lovely lad, um, bumped into Eze at the end of the game, walking back to Parsons Green, uh, and had a quick chat with him, and Eze told him that he'll be back in six weeks' time. Now, I don't know if that's common knowledge or not. Bit of a patron exclusive for you there. But that is that is positive news, Jack, isn't it, actually, that we will see these players back, hopefully, sooner rather than later. And what oh, was your thoughts of... Oh, go on, Kevin. Sorry, Jay, can I just jump in and say it's, it, he's a nice young man, Eze, obviously, and he's a professional footballer. It's highly unlikely he's going to say to a stranger, mate, it's two years, I'm done. <laughs> Seriously, can you keep it keep it to yourself? He's like, really? He's just, of course you're going to say I'm back in six weeks. <laughs> he knows he's going to start tweeting. Like, God love him, it'd be brilliant if he is, but, you know... Well, let's 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 take him at his word. You know, let, let let's yeah. uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And Jack, we did we saw Anderson obviously introduced in the second half. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw him on the pitch? Um, pleased to see him get some minutes, and I do wonder if it was uh, maybe nil nil or one one, or, or we were in with a chance of getting something from the game. Whether or not we would have seen Anderson and Benteke come on, I feel, I feel giving them you know thirty thirty five minutes each probably was a benefit of the situation of being 3-0 down by that point and it effectively becoming uh, another chapter in our pre-season. That's the, that's the, that's the positive spin I'm trying to put on it. Um, so I'm really pleased that Anderson got to, uh, uh, got to play next to Gaye as well, which is, which is important and, and play in front of, of Guaita. Um, in terms of the, the squad point, it, it's, it's definitely a valid one in that, you know, you, you make signings, but only one of those new signings makes the, the first starting 11 of the season. Um, that that is a bit of a reality check in terms of where we are, and and there is still plenty of business for Palace to do and need to do before the window's out. Um, that that squad's not ready to to go into a thirty eight game season now, a thirty seven game season. Um, and I hope the error is is backed up, and I think he will be with with some more signings. Um, but Anderson looked really promising. Sorry, just going back to him very quickly. His range of passing um, is a is a real um, plus point for his game. When we saw him uh, knock the ball around, some some lovely sprays across the pitch. Um, one in particular from uh, left-hand side to, to right-hand side, uh, which will really add to our play. He's kind of a more accurate Damien Delaney, um, which was which was nice to see. Um, and I think he's really going to fit. I expect him to start on Saturday against Brentford. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on the formation um, in the second part, but whichever formation we start, I expect him and Gay to, to feature as part of that back line. Um, the, the Eze news is good. I mean, when you say he's going to be back in six weeks, I, I just presume that was a, a, a vacation he's going to take while he's, while he's recuperating. <laughs> the, the, the key point with him is, you know, for an Achilles rupture, is not to rush back from Achilles rupture. So I hope the club don't find themselves in a place where they're relying on him um, and Nathan Ferguson, for that matter, to come back sooner than they need to um, and that the relevant transfer business is done um, to, to lead to a place where we're not requiring Eze and Ferguson to, to come back one month, six weeks earlier than they than they need to. Um, Joe, I do have a stat for you, actually, related to the defence, which I'll tell you in a minute. But first of all, give me your thoughts on Anderson once we sort of finally saw him in a Premier League game. And just let us know your circumstances surrounding watching the game on Saturday, because uh, I believe you've got a friend that we need to um, admonish. 
Yeah, worst friend, cousin. And my, my cousin Lewis decided to get married on Saturday. Oh. And he is a Palace fan, previous oh. former yeah. season ticket holder. I don't know if former. this was just his ultimate form of protest. <laughs> he doesn't go anymore. But was, uh, so I wasn't able, I probably could have got away with going to Stamford Bridge in a nice suit and dress shirt and a, and a little rose on the on the blazer. But I, I, I thought that would be very sweaty by the time I made it to... I had to go to Deep Surrey to go and go to the wedding. So I watched it at home uh, via other methods and saw the full game. I thought, as Jack touched on, by the, t- the actually being essentially game over, or certainly felt game over at halftime, um, I think the intensity from Chelsea probably wasn't as high. But even despite that, there was such a noticeable change when Anderson came on in how quickly we were zipping the ball around from the back. Because we were first half, we were passing it around a lot and it looked very shaky. Um, even the confidence of someone like uh, Guaita, who I thought looked really wobbly with the ball in possession first half, because it was kind of, it, 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 the whole, everyone was kind of rushing it. And um, it just felt the moment you had Anderson alongside Guaita, he just seemed to calm the back four immediately. And that's not even discounting where the ball is actually getting distributed as well. I just felt infinitely more confident straight away, which is what you'd hope would happen when, when he comes on. And, but it, it does promise a lot for certainly next week already, I think. Yeah, well, obviously, Vieira wants to play that passing style up from the back. So you need the players to do that. And obviously, Anderson, I think, we can all agree, probably an upgrade on Chiarte in, in terms of playing the ball like that. Joe, here's the stat I wanted to tell you. Um, so this, I believe, is from whoscored.com, um, I think. Um, but it's a list of big chances conceded at the weekend. On top was Newcastle with six. Obviously, they got smashed 4-2 by West Ham at home. Second was Southampton with three. Then Tottenham three. Burnley three. Norwich three. Leeds three. Brighton three. Arsenal two. Palace actually don't feature on that list. We actually only had one big chance conceded, which was the Pulisic goal from Guaita's right. spill. Does that feel a bit more confidence actually that maybe we weren't that bad on Saturday? I suppose it's 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 some comfort, but then also the the free kick as as strong as a free kick as it is, we've given the we've given them a free kick quite quite close to the danger zone. Um, they've got teams of that quality tend to have players of that quality that will eat those up every now and again. Um, I, I, I felt we were under a lot of pressure first half. It, it, it wasn't a, I, I've had more comfier defensive performances as a, as a spectator. I felt even despite the lack of kind of open, clear cut chances constantly, it felt very shaky, very nervous kind of right. We need to get out. I, th- I think we were winning the ball a lot around the edge of our penalty area then you, we try and get that gap, gap from midfield to the front two on the day was very, very big. I felt like we couldn't get the ball to them at all. Um, bless Schlupp, uh, Riederwald, IU, they all had varying, varying levels of sort of frustrating performances in terms of keeping the ball, especially. I think the thing to remember is I don't think it would have been less shaky had Cahill been playing no. or Scott Dan been playing if, if anything it could have been we would have been less mobile I think I think we have to remember that the players we have brought in good players are are better replacements yeah. in the long run than the, the players we've lost to be perfectly honest we couldn't have another season with a, 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 an ageing geriatric back four and I, I think one of the problems is going to be that I'd rather see I, I expect Klein will start on Saturday because yeah. with Wardy there it, it it is unbalanced we talked about this before in a couple of pods we 
with three very young or youngish fullback, central defender, central defender, and then Wardy, who hasn't got the same energy as the other three have. It's difficult to change that style of play when you kind of have to go at the pace of the slowest, which is why I expect Klein will, will be there. And I, why I also think we'll get a right back in while we're waiting for Ferguson to be fit. But, you know, already a few Palace fans going, oh, yo, we're not going to win playing that sort of football. But, you know, we didn't win playing the sort of football we played last season. For me, there's still a, there's an element of progression there, I think. And that's definitely that's what you have to look at from now on. Us, yeah, it wasn't an improvement because we lost three 0 but it's the start of an improvement, I think, without a doubt. And we've got we've bought better players in, and I think, I mean, Joe's right. I think we will bring more players in in the course of the next couple of weeks. You've got to protect yeah. your optimism, haven't you? And yeah, see yeah, the yeah. see, and I think so. Again, I, I mentioned earlier the highlight and the gap between the midfield and the forward players. Yeah, right against Chelsea. Conor Gallagher is kind yep. of ready and made for to be that player to help yep. that solution. Uh, we saw second half, um, and we could tell that was a problem because as sort of isolated and poor, however you want to say, Mateta played, Benteke came in like for like, and it was the same issue. So we knew it wasn't strictly a personnel problem. So Gallagher, you'd like to think, would help with that. Um, and we saw how it improved with Anderson come on. So, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not too... I'm not doing panic stations. I mean, I, th- I think we're all going to have to brace ourselves for the next six weeks of pundits getting the knives out, going, yeah. ah, we told you, careful what you wish for, blah, 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 yeah. without ever really watching. It started already on the weekend. I couldn't, I yeah. couldn't believe what I was seeing from some people. And I think, I think quietly a lot, most Palace fans will see the, see the vision there. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Ian Wright on Match Today who actually was one of the few pundits who said, I can see what Palace are trying to do here and there will be a bit of progression and it, it will take time. And Jack, as you said, it did feel like a sort of final pre-season and it did feel like a team that was not quite ready for the start of the season, not quite done with their transition and their progression. But you could see where things are going. And actually, Joe, I've forgotten about Gallagher, actually. You put Gallagher in there, that's a bit more energy in the midfield. A fully fit Benteke, a fully fit Anderson. You can sort of see where Palace are heading, but it was almost just like the worst game to play first game of the season came a bit too early. 100%. Um, whether you play that game first game of the season, 19th game of the season, or 38th game of the season, Palace are never going to be more than about 8-1 to one to get three points from that fixture. So I, I won't panic. It, it, that game won't define our season whenever we play it. And my, my only concern is Vieira, you know, I hope he's not, Bitten by his experience, I don't think he will be. And you know, we're going to talk about formations in part two. He he clearly is still learning himself. The the squad, the league. That's the first Premier League game he's managed, um, and I, I think he'll have learned a lot from that. Um, he probably would have preferred uh, an easier game for his first game. But that said, Frank De Boer had. I'm yeah. sorry to mention him, but Frank De Boer had Huddersfield <laughs> oh, no. at home. Huddersfield at home. He was coming at some game. point. He had the and two easiest. Home, so. He had he had the two easiest first home games, didn't he? I think yeah. Huddersfield, Huddersfield and Swansea yeah, both yeah. got relegated yeah. that season. We yeah. lost five 0 on aggregate to those games. Yeah. So I don't know. I think Vieira will, will have learned a lot. I think there are definitely positives to have taken from it. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned, but Jez Raksaki getting minutes is is lovely for the for the club. I think that's really important. It's lovely for him. He then played very well for the under twenty threes last night. Um, and and as I said, see uh, Christian Benteke and, and Joachim Anderson got got minutes. So I think we're better placed for a more winnable game next uh, uh, next Saturday than we were before that before that game. So you've got to take the positives. One one thing I would like to quickly say: in a weekend, and this is typical Palace, in a weekend where referees have largely been, you know, applauded for letting games go, 
we still have John Moss. And I don't know how that guy is still a Premier League referee because he's crap. <laughs> he was crap when we came up and he's crap now. That guy is is just dreadful. But he's got uh, a su- that, that's, a neg- that's a negative I'm going to take. He's got a surprisingly high voice as well. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed him last year. He's <laughs> surprisingly high like, voice. Uh, like Daniel Fark has a sort of yeah. voice you don't expect yeah, to yeah. come out of. He's only little as well. It's interesting what you said about Wrighty, because Paul Merson was really good uh, on Sunday. He was. They were talking about the three big defeats, like Newcastle, Leeds, Palace. He said the team that should be really worried is Leeds. He said Palace have started their progression. He said Palace are nowhere near Chelsea. There will be five years of investment before they get anywhere near Chelsea, as as Jack was just saying. Leeds are the team that everyone thought, well, they'll they'll push on from last year. They had a really good first season. They haven't bought too many players, but everyone's tipping them maybe for Europe. And they go to Man United and get battered 5-1. Could have been seven, could have been eight. Mm-hmm. Newcastle, no investment. Flattered to deceive for the first 10 minutes. Then West Ham could have scored six, could have scored seven. So out of those three, Palace are the team that come out of it looking looking better because it's the start of a journey. And it's, it's, it's way too early to tell what's, what's going to happen. Whereas already... That alarm bells would have been ringing at St James's Park and, and Ellen Road with their with their fans. There's no two ways about it. Kevin, you know you know the random fact about John Moss, don't you? That's that's unfootball related the, the or sort of the record, the record shop. Uh, vinyl whistle, is it called? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he owns a record shop called Vinyl Whistle. Yeah. Oh, do you want to buy a forty-five? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. That's like a Viz character, the high, high ref with the high pitched voice who's got his own record shop. It actually makes me like him a bit more, to be honest. I sort of find it hard all, to in, him. all in yellow and red I, vinyl. I still can't. I still can't forgive him for sending off KG eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not yeah. going to be. Um, but just one mention of someone who wasn't there on Saturday, and I do fear this is is becoming too common a problem. But James Tompkins, regular yeah. feature during pre-season, and the squad list comes out for you know Saturday comes out at two o'clock. And he's nowhere to be seen. I really hope it's it's you know a short term injury because I think another long term layoff is just another yeah. kind mm. of notch on the end of his palace spell. And you know it's getting to the point now where we just can't rely on him to be an ever present in the first team squad, and which is a huge shame because I think of those ones, particularly the ones that we had before um, the the, the uh, transfer business of this summer of Gay and Anderson. For me, he was our best centre back of of the current lot in terms of of his age and his ability. Um, and I'm just really disappointed that he's you know succumbed to another injury. As I said, I hope it's a short-term absence. I hope he's even available for for, for this Saturday. But it must be very difficult for him. You know, he, he's had some some awful luck um, with, with injuries, the eye socket injury last year. But to be away again, it's just just really bad luck. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think the club are clearly with the players they've released, moving away from players they can't rely on, the likes of Sacco and Connor Wickham. I'm sure will go at some point. You, there comes a point where you do have to, I think, move on from that. But Tompkins is fantastic. We'd love to see him back, um, guys. I'm going to wrap off uh, part one. Wrap off, wrap up part one with a couple of questions. Well, here's one, Joe. This I think we know where this one's going. Jack CPFC. Says is one of our patrons. Says, was that the worst performance you've seen since you guys can remember? Weak winky face. <laughs> Do you know what that's about? No. Is that what's that weak of reference to? <laughs> it was a comment made by Simon Jordan on Talksport. Oh right, yeah. yes. I oh I saw that clip. Yeah. I mean, someone who is openly professed to, to not watching too many Palace games, but I could a, a sincere answer to that. I to, I could rail off a few from last season alone. So uh, that losing three nil at home to Burnley was it? Um, yeah. Losing three, going three down around Christmas to Villa, who had ten men for about an hour. Yeah. Um, 
It's the seven against Liverpool. Um, Sunderland at home. Sunderland at home. Yeah. Huddersfield at home a couple of years ago. Swansea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've made it a few. We could do a yeah. whole podcast, couldn't we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, look, I, 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 I think we, uh, some of us have been a bit spoiled. We had, we had a few years where we would get, we, we would still lose to the, the big six, if you like, the traditional six. Um, but, they we would sometimes run them close. It might be only the odd one or two goals. We maybe get a goal up there. Teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, Spurs, they'd all had little periods where we'd had a number on them. Um, but it hasn't been like that really for a while. I guess Man United, actually, funny enough, we've started to get results more recently. But these games, Chelsea especially, after it's been a few years now since we started nicking points off them. We're, the, the, these threes and fours are becoming a bit common. So, for, yeah, forgive us for being a bit too used to it or not not getting too panicked. But also, you know, on um, TV and radio commercials for things like investments and insurance, <laughs> there's a voice at the end who goes, yeah, it's stocks, in really fast voice, stocks can go up and it's a down value of investment, blah, blah, blah. Every time Simon Jordan's on, there should be a fast voice after his going, nearly broke Crystal Palace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything he says should be in, have that caveat that he nearly, nearly put our club out of business completely, nearly made us extinct. He's got no right to say anything about our club whatsoever without first hanging his head in shame and apologising to every Palace fan. Also, he, he hates Steve Parrish and Steve Parrish hates him. So, of course, he's got, you know. Incredibly, uh, sort of, remember, mark it as a special day. I think of last week when the investment was announced from John Texter, Simon Jordan was full of praise for Steve Parrish. Was I mean, that's probably the one and only time he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that, I was very surprised to see that. But yeah, there's there's so much, you know, he's, he's carrying so much baggage with him yep. in, in those comments. So yeah, give it, hold some distance to it. Okay, we'll hold some distance from Simon Jordan. Uh, not that I think he'll ever come on the podcast. Um, let's let's wrap up part one there. That was, you know, that was nice, guys. That, that felt positive, felt balanced and positive, which is, a, I think, a nice way to uh, to review that game. Uh, in well, part two, what happened, what happened after the? Saturday's pod. I've heard rumors. Uh, I've heard rumors that Chelsea wasn't balanced and positive. It was a bit more <laughs> retros. It was a bit more retrospective. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it was. Uh, well, the thing is, the post-match pods are always straight after the game, so emotions fly higher. I think immediately <laughs> after. It must um, have been difficult to watch it there. I have to admit, it must have been quite. Yeah. It was a bit of an onslaught, and there might not have been much reason for optimism in actually paying to see that. Which well, I yeah. can understand. Thanks. Take a quick break, and after that. We welcome back the Athletic. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. 
It's part two, and I'm delighted to say that we are again for this season sponsored by The Athletic, bringing you every football story that matters. The Athletic is home to the best collection of football reporters, storytellers, and analysts in the world, from breaking club news and exclusive interviews to brilliant features and tactical analysis. The Athletic is football news you can trust and football writing you can feel. Get all access to exclusive stories ad-free. And if you go to theathletic.com forward slash FYP, that's theathletic.com forward slash FYP, you can get 50% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. That's just 30 quid for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action. That is a much better library than last season. Mm. They've really upped that. That is fantastic. Uh, well, welcome back to The Athletic for this season. So we're going to be reviewing an Athletic article as we have previously done for the first last two seasons. Uh, this one's called Opening Day Defeat Underlines Patrick Vieira's Preference for Philosophy Over Formation uh, by Matt Woosnam. And I'll read you a little clip from it now. Uh, Matt says about halfway through the article, schooled through the Welsh FA's coaching scheme under the tutelage of Ocean Roberts, who obviously was announced recently as assistant at Palace, and Carl Darlington, Vieira appears to have taken the principles learnt there into his management career. Formation is less relevant. Style of play and the implementation of key ideas is more important. And this is a quote from Vieira. It will be important for me to organise the team well in terms of the sides we are facing, but not change the philosophy we want to implement. And he said this in his pre-match press conference before Chelsea. He acknowledged the need to balance defence and attack while also finding a system and way for the players to express themselves throughout pre-season the formation was clearly defined 4-1-2-3 with two number eights and holding midfielder gyro uh, it therefore seems peculiar that come the opening day of the premier league season Vieira's manag- managerial debut in the english top flight he opted to discard that entirely in favor of 4-4-2 in which wilfred zaha partnered jean-philippe mateta up front kevin this was one of the big talking points obviously we alluded to it yeah. in part one the change in formation but having heard sort of Vieira's discussing it there and talking about the philosophy over formation. Does that make more sense to you what happened on Saturday? It's it, it sort of, it's a really good article by Matt, by the way, let's get that out there. It's a really interesting article. I think what's interesting, because Matt talks about Vieira explaining afterwards that he'd always planned to play four four two against Chelsea for various technical reasons, which makes you think, well, why didn't we play that in the pre-season friendlies then? Because I'd, uh, yeah, I'd rather lose the pre-season friendlies playing that system than do well with that four one two three, and then suddenly change it. You know, Vieira said, well, we worked on it during the week, but you've kind of had four weeks to work on it as well. So it's just, it was a slightly odd one and it, it might well explain why the first 15 minutes we looked you know, so mm-hmm. passive and, and, and nervy, but it's an interesting one. And, and Matt's point is that, you know, we've had three years of knowing exactly how Palace yeah. are going to line up. And now we're going to have to get used to the fact we've all been saying, come on, we need a plan B, plan C, yeah, and it, the chances are we might be getting D, E, F, G, H as well in the, in the course of the game. So we have to get used to that. And bear in mind, that's what other teams do. That's what, again, Paul Merson was interested in talking about Leeds. And Leeds are one of the few teams that don't check. Whatever happens, however Leeds games are going, they play exactly the same way, exactly the same formation. And we've done that in the past. We're going to have to get used to the fact that we're going to change things during the course of the game. And it's not something we, we have got used to. And, and I think... We'll, yeah, Vieira will have to get used to the fact that a lot of the time it's going to be 18,000 people going, what? <laughs> and then until they get used to what's going on. But it's a, it's again, it's it harks back to what we were saying before. It's the start of a positive change and it's going to take a while before everyone gets used to it. It's going to take a while. They have to work on it in training. They have to work on it in games. We have to get used to it. So, But again, you know, we've been asking for change for, for two years. 
wanting change, begging for change, and now we're getting it. So we, the least we can do is give them a few weeks to to implement it. Yeah, this is the thing, Joe, isn't it? Because um, you can translate it one of two ways. The changes during the game. And in fact, Vieira did change formation twice during the game on Saturday. Mm. You can either go, well, here's a guy who hasn't got a clue what his best team is and he keeps switching it. Mm. Or here's a guy, unlike Roy last season, who is prepared to change things when he feels like he needs to. How do, how would would you translate that with those kind of changes? I, I, felt, I felt it was somebody that was... Maybe st- I took it to be someone that was almost still in preseason mode of right. Oh, I'm having to take this player off because we're short of options on the bench. And okay, uh, there was a point when I think when Raksaki came on, I just kind of had assumed how the, the the team would then line up, and it was completely the opposite. It was almost like at one point I think IU and Raksaki were like a midfield three, and I, just yeah. I was like, well, this is this is. I I I, I, I went with it. I, it was really hard to gauge because the game was essentially already over. Um, but I like that he noted, look, we've, we've had Hodgson games in that sort of setup where mm. the plan is to maybe nick a goal or, or get a, get a draw. We go one behind and you're right, this isn't working and we're not going to play our way out of this. And it's not until the second goal that anything changes. I think even if um, we'd got to half time at one nil, I think, or, or nil nil, shall I say, I think, I think it, we, we would have seen some changes early second half anyway, because we clearly were in a bit of trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. I like the idea. I think you just need the right personnel if you're going to do that or have a setup that's going to be comfortable with that much change. Um, so as Kevin said, look, every, every preseason friendly we saw, we played on the front foot. We were playing the ball around um, in a sort of four, three, three. I don't know whether if Patrick had his dream preseason, and joined in early June, whether he'd have said, I really want us to do a friendly against the bigger side that we're yeah. going to have to defend against. Yeah. Cause that, yeah. this was the first test we'd really had at all. Even the Reading game, uh, the Reading friendly where we had 10 men, mm. we still played like the premier league side against the championship side and dominate them really. So this was the first test we'd seen certainly, um, but that in terms of publicly of us under the cost a bit. So yeah, yeah I, I I'm all for change it up as and when it just hopefully pays off. I'm, I'm, that, that bit's still out in the, the jury's out on that bit. Um, Jack it's Kevin made a good point that obviously it's not just the players that can have to get used to. And obviously a lot of players from, from last season get used to this change to philosophy over formation It is the fans as well. Cause we have had four years of formation over philosophy essentially. So it's actually, we're going to have to try and get used to this slightly more, not gung-ho, but bold and, and ballsy approach, uh, which actually I think when you've spent four years watching something else, actually it's quite difficult as a fan as well. Yeah, and uh, one of the things about the return to Selhurst that I'm most looking forward to is the bloke behind me's head exploding <laughs> when he goes from whinging us to us not having a plan B to having, you know, five or six different plans and he's just going to, you know, <laughs> drive himself crazy about that. It's going to take time. It's going to take time for Palace fans to get used to it because, yes, as you say, we have, you know, very rarely changed from what Roy's preference was. And must be said, Roy's preference kept us in the league for four seasons that he was manager for us. So, you know, there is that to say. But it's going to take time. Um, and until I think his initial recruitment is complete, as Joe says, I don't think Vieira should be deciding what the formation is because, you know, we haven't seen Elise at all yet. And, and, and I think he will figure in the first team. And I still think there's two or three extras to still come into the squad. So uh, yeah, I think it would be ridiculous if Vieira if defined his preferred uh, formation so early on. 
Um, totally agree with Joe as well about the uh, selection of opponents. Um, but then again, I, I guess you don't know who you're going to get first game of the season. We could have had Watford at home in the league. Um, and therefore, you would have, you know, needed to play games on the front foot. But yeah, it was a bit of a uh, a, a change in speed and tact for us, having gone from from friendlies where we were on the front foot to a, a game as starkly opposed to that. Um, I was I was I was pleased to see him use the opportunity. And again, I think, as I said earlier about his, um, you know, ability to bring on Anderson and Benteke, I think he benefited from. And if there is a benefit from losing three 0 or being three 0 down, it's that you do have the option to to use the the rest of the match to, to perhaps experiment. Um, and I was pleased that he did, because um, I think it's an opportunity that he'll have learned from. The players will have learned some. You know, for someone like James MacArthur, who has spent the last four years doing the same job so robotically because he's had it drilled into him, even playing five yards further forward or five yards further inside the pitch takes time to adapt, and, and he'll need minutes. And that's someone who's, you know, I think got nearly 300 career appearances so let alone the the you know the less experienced guys within the squad um i think patience with the era chopping and changing formations will wane the longer it goes on so i think the would be wise to find a formation that he likes in the squad suit sooner rather than later but i think in the early weeks of the season i think his experimenting should be applauded also in terms of versatility that we've still got luca to come back we've got Eze to come back we've got Elise to come back you've got Kayati as a midfield option now as well and possibly someone else to come in and also Conor Gallagher who can play as a defensive midfielder or he can play as far forward as off the 10 or he can play as a pivot so suddenly we've now got all those different players Gallagher I think is going to be key to the way we the way we play and I'm 100% certain he'll start on on Saturday so we we've at least got the personnel available to change the system which we haven't in the past in the past we've tended to it's always been like for like replacements rather than trying to change the system and now we've got two versatile young centre-backs who by all accounts are just as happy playing in a free as a as a four and again it's one of the things that Matt talks about in the thing I don't think we've got the players to play wing back. Be perfectly honest. Wardy, Wardy, even Klein can't play wing back on the right side. So I don't think that's going to be a particular option. But it's you know the, the centre backs can at least play as a three. So we have got that little bit extra versatility just in terms of the personnel we have. I just hope, as Jack and Joe both said, you know, Palace fans always talk about identity, uh, Palace identity. But for the most part, it's been pretty dreary our identity in the last three or four seasons. But I think it's, I, I think it's always preferable when a team have got a way of playing. And then a way of changing that if that's not working. Rather than, I, I understand Vieira says, yeah, we'll, we'll look at each opponent as they come. But I kind of think sometimes that's just too confusing for players. Even modern day professional Premier League players, they kind of want to know what their default system is. And they want to know what they go to if that doesn't work and what they go to if that doesn't work. But I think it is, it's good to have the baseline to, to, to be able to make changes from. But I'd, I'd much rather have the, the option to change than the, you know, the, the lack of it that we've had for two, three seasons. Yeah, it's just, it's just that working out your system and what you want to do, that is what pre-season's for. And again, it just feels like this game came too early and I know yeah. COVID is one of the reasons we weren't allowed to have a European team come over and the big final home pre-season and all that so um, but how long Vieira gets to work those things out though into the season is another we've question got, there's the we, we've got an international break at the yeah. I believe uh, start first week or so of September after, after West Ham yeah. after yeah. West Ham yeah yeah so I imagine I don't I don't know really know at the moment how much our crop of international players is at the moment, however, we have quite a lot of people leaving, but um, 
I think that'll be a really good opportunity. And hopefully, apparently, based according to Friday, Elise will be training by then. Yeah. So um I think that will be a real opportunity for Vieira. I think he's probably eyed, eyeing that to really set some things in stone and hopefully have a much better idea by then anyway. We we've not mentioned him yet, JD, and a bit remiss given he's our best player. But Wilf, yeah. um he spent the preseason looking very, very good, albeit against, you know, poor opposition. But coming in from that left-hand side where so many of us think that he's at his strongest, he might not agree with us, but, you know, he he does look very, very comfortable from the left-hand side and, for me, is is most threatening. He then found himself in a, in a uh, you know, a front two with Mateta. Um, and I think it's fair to say that his threat was, was rather uh, diminished because of that as well. So I think Vieira will have seen, you know, his biggest weapon pr- produce less when part of a front two than yeah. part of a front three, which will be part of the stinky moving forward. Um, you know, you're not, you're never going to see Wilf play as that left wing back. So he's always going to be part of that, that attacking wing um, or, you know, attacking function. And um, uh, yeah, it makes me, makes me think that we, may, particularly with Benteke back, um, we may all see Wilf, you know, drift back out onto the flank. Um, don't know what happened on the right hand side. I, I think fans patient with Jordan IU is, is diminishing week on week and his, his choice on the ball is it was poor at times last season, but from from Saturday, it, it wasn't good. He keeps the ball for too long. Um, I know he's had wonderful moments in the Palace shirt, but sometimes I do think that is certainly an area of the pitch where we could do with improving. Albeit he costs two million pounds, which for a Premier League player is yeah. is dirt cheap. And I'm not you know undermining the impact he's had as a Palace player and his contribution, but I, I do feel we we will be seeing improvements in that part of the pitch um, as as people come back to full fitness. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Palace would probably be targeting another another winger as well, so that Ayu becomes more of a sort of squad player. You know what you get from Ayu, and he do a job for you, but maybe as a starting player, uh, not maybe what Palace want at the moment. Um, but, anyway. but t- particularly on the flank of a four, I can see his benefit yeah. on the on the flank of a three up top. But playing that kind of you know right midfielder, yeah, it's just too deep for him, and he, he yeah. can't impact the game, and his his skill set's not for that. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, look, you can read Matt's article there on the Palace formation changes and lots more on Palace and every football club going um, at The Athletic. And if you go to theathletic.com forward slash FYP, you can get 50% off your annual subscription to The Athletic. That's just 30 quid a year for sports journalism that brings you closer to the action. Uh, right. After a quick break, we've got questions from our listeners. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan Podcast. Uh, It's time for questions from our listeners. And we've got quite a few. Uh, One area that a lot of people want to talk about is transfers. And obviously we've got 12 days left of the... No, 15 days. We've got a few weeks left of the uh, transfer window. (laughs) So I'm sure we'll see Palace hopefully make a few um, signings. Jose Blueheart CPFC hashtag Nan Pam Redheart. Nice. Nice, Jose. Um, says, uh, do you think we have strikers good enough to take us into the top half of the Premier League table? And why? It's become an exam question there. Thank you, Jose. Um, and uh, S. S. Channon says, uh, not much doing for us this game. Is our lack of quality going forward going to cost us this season? And John Cowley okay. says, what we need is a forward who can score goals. Otherwise, we will struggle. My answer would be to go and get Dolberg from Nice. Obviously, the Vieira connection there, Kevin. Um, mm. Is that an area of the pitch that worries you? Yeah, I, I don't think there are many teams outside the top six who wouldn't think that they could improve their 
goal-scoring record. It's why Man City are willing to pay probably 120 million quid for for Harry Kane to guarantee them 20 goals a year. There's there's no one at the moment, much as I'm still a fan of Benteke, there's no one at the moment who you would back to get more than 10 goals. Uh, I think the Otton Edwards rumour refuses uh, to go away. So to the extent that you kind of think there may be something in that. And also he played with Saeed at um, PSG. Uh, but yeah, we... we the, the trouble is, of course, yes, we do. We need a striker. But as I've just said, so do 15 other clubs in the Premier League. So do every club in the Championship. They're, they're few and far between. Uh, and there's no guarantee that somebody who's been scoring goals in Norway is going to come in and score 25 goals in the Premier League. So it's 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 probably the hardest area for any technical director or scout to, to uncover a, a gem unless you're prepared to pay a lot of money or, as the rumour has it, you're prepared to pay £85,000 a week to a striker who has scored goals for Celtic. Yeah, we did see Armstrong. We were... We were, according to reports, in for Armstrong from Blackburn, who joined Southampton, mm, did score scored, a really yeah. well-taken goal yeah. up at Everton on his debut. Um, Joe, are you a Benteke fan? I am. I'm a Benteke apologist. Um, I guess at this, <laughs> but um, at this point of time, because to me, Benteke is all about how a manager wants to use him, and 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 you know, if that doesn't suit your system, you sometimes, particularly in the last few years, it felt like it's not even worth playing him. And I guess we're still up in the air about how Vieira would want to use him. Um, he probably has ideas, but we haven't seen any of those in practice yet. Uh, he scored, he only played, I think it was Watford the only friendly he played because yeah. he came back so yeah, late. Yeah. And he did score, albeit from a set piece. But, um, you know, so there's, there's some favour there. But in terms of how we'll play with him in open play, I don't know yet. And I don't think even if we're to play to his strengths, whether we have... I think I would imagine we're more likely to prioritise a wide, more of a wide forward than a centre forward, just yeah. because to complement to Benteke, if you like, um, a lot, a lot more of the names I've seen linked have been in those uh, who I presume would go in place of IU or uh, where Townsend might have played in the front three, um, and hope maybe hoping that they produce they're someone that produces goals as well as creates. Um, my my dream would be that uh, the PSV forward, um, Noni Medweke. I don't know how realistic. I've seen our name flown around uh, next to his. I, I think that would be perfect. Homecoming for him and uh, scoring at a very high level. And he's, I think, still only a teenager as well. And it was just someone that would just... I've always thought Palace play at our best when we've got someone on either side of a forward being a nuisance. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. free, up, free up space for each other. You saw it the promotion season. Yeah, uh, Zaha got the England call up, and the transfer speculation. You started seeing two and three players on him, yeah. and it just let meant Balazzi had an incredible second half yeah. of the season. Yeah. So I, I, I and Townsend had a period like that with us as well. I, I think the moment we sort that out, I think it changes the entire way we attack. Yeah, um, before this summer, I'd have said there's no chance of getting that guy from PSV. But to be honest, the summer we've had transfer-wise, you don't know, actually. The Palace have surprised us. We're one of the only clubs who seem to have uh, cash reserves because of this investment. And I think that's allowed us to get better players and better value in signing the players. I mean, uh, I think we mentioned it on the pod before a few episodes back about Leon wanting 25 million for mm. Anderson and we went well we've got 15 now yeah you have no one else has got the money and we're getting better players for for less money spent and I think 
I think there'll be a manic last few days of the transfer window from everybody as they're trying to do loan to buyers and basically playing as little up front as possible. And I think we'll see a lot more player swaps than we normally would in transfer windows. Um, but yeah, if we still have some money left in this investment pot, I think we'll be, we, we could still surprise ourselves in who we could grab. But also yeah. the, the players we've got rid of have really, really freed up our wage bill. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were players that were barely featuring but getting eye-watering amounts of money that you you can't even imagine the likes of Gahey or Anderson will have been anywhere near those wages. So yeah. we'll be making more realistic wage offers. So, but that's you know again that frees up more money to bring players in. You can actually because that's something that I've been really pleased with. We're actually spending money. We're actually buying players rather than just looking to get freeze or loan. So. Um, Jack, I got hammered a bit on the post-match pod for saying that I liked the look of Benteke, uh, not Benteke, of uh, JPM in pre-season. Um, didn't have a great game on Saturday. What are your thoughts on on him? Do we expect Man Benteke's back to see much of JPM this season? I think JPM is very much second choice to Benteke. I mean, uh, if 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 there was a, a a positive for for JPM, it was that he had the pre-season without Benteke to kind of. You know, demonstrate that he had the ability to lead the front line. I didn't see enough of him in pre-season to, to think that he's going to dominate Premier League uh, centre-backs. My big thing with JPM last year, I did see glimpses of a player that I thought, yeah, he's got a nice touch and his his movement's relatively decent, but I, I felt that he needed to build himself physically. Um, and from what I saw on Saturday, he still looked quite lightweight. He was, you know, given that when he, even when he pulled onto Shalabar, who was, you know, playing his Premier League debut, I still felt Shalabar dealt with him like a rather consummately and I don't know I, I don't know if Matessa has got that Premier League threat that we need um, from a first choice striker Benteke does whether Matessa can do a job as a backup um, we'll have to see I, I, I'm I with Joe that you know I think if we are going to add to the um, the top of the pitch it's going to be someone that can also play on the flank as well as that could do a job through the middle I, I can't think of anyone that springs to mind but I, I, I think um you know the, the guy from PSV, Man, Maduike. I think it's Maduike, yeah. But yeah. again, I, I might be butchering it. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, 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 he's a real player. My fear with him is is that PSV have done their selling that they needed to do, so he's probably off the off the right. off the grid. So I think an Adamola Lookman, not necessarily him, but someone of that ilk who yeah. who would be available on a loan, albeit for a rather substantial um, fee. Yeah, a lot of the um, wide players. A lot of the wide players we've been linked with seem to be loan signers. It's almost yeah. like if we're going to spend the money that we have left, mm. we're rather maybe uh, on a, an, if it's not another midfielder or a defender, then a striker. I guess that yeah. Armstrong money might be limited to a... Well, I think the Armstrong yeah. money and the bit and the fact that we were interested is proof that there is desire to bring in another striker if the right striker yeah. becomes available. And the fact that they didn't go to what Blackburn wanted would suggest that list is still live. So there is definitely a chance that we will, will come in, but I, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be JPM. Well, the, the thing with Matetsu, though, he, he he has got a bit of pace, so maybe he's the wide option as well. Oh, Kevin, throwing a real yeah. curveball there. I'd yeah. Not, yeah. Even, not even thought about that because he doesn't look. I mean, in terms of that, the point about his physique is actually a, a good one. He doesn't look like he's got the the room to grow into the sort of centre forward that can then hold his own against experienced centre backs. But with a little bit of pace, a little bit of guile. You never know. He could be a, a, a you know rather than seeing him as a replacement for Benteke or the backup for Benteke, moving along the line, see how well he can do playing off him or playing wide. Oh, Patrick, if you're listening, there is another option for you to consider. Whatever whatever. happens with him, whatever happens with him, he did always score that goal at the Amex. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 
Very true. He deserves uh, uh, a. He, he deserves his moment on Saturday. Has he had? Has he had his ovation yet? Even has he? Played? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, good point. Good point. Well, maybe that's his problem. He's already got his t-shirt. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's got nothing to play for now. He's already... <laughs> <laughs> he peaked way too early. Yeah. Um, can I ask you all about a name that is really heavily linked with Palace at the moment? Who's not a striker or or a wide player? Is Will Hughes? Yeah. From Watford reportedly Palace have offered. 5 million, but Watford want 12. Kevin, this doesn't really feel like the sort of player Palace should be going after. What were your thoughts on that? Two years ago, I would have said he was probably perfect Roy Hodgson choice. I mean, he's, he's kind of all action. Uh, I wouldn't be against it. I mean, if we can get him for seven, eight million quid, I think he makes the squad stronger without, without a doubt. And, you know, if we're looking to to bring players in to make the squad stronger, I'm all for that. But in in the brave new world that we're embarking on, you wouldn't want him to be a, a, a starter, to be perfectly honest. But again, he's a good option across the midfield. So, if you consider him to be the James McCarthy replacement, hmm. he'd be younger, he'd be on lower wages, and he's got a better fitness record. So, for me, it's a sensible piece of business if we can get it for a fee that Palace are happy with rather than Watford have. And we have hmm. got the power in that he's in his last year of contract. He's clearly you know, not in the best place with, with his club. Um, so that £12 million figure that Watford are demanding is likely to drop by the day as we get closer to the window. Um, but I think it's a smart piece of business if we can get it over the line. We're also interested in uh, the lad O'Brien, Drake O'Brien, I think. Yeah, I'll just he might have had his first name from Huddersfield. Um, Leeds, <clears throat> Leeds very much like him as well, but I think we're going to probably not pursue that one if, if Hughes does go over the over the line. But um, yeah, Will Hughes is, is Premier League experience and I think... Um, you know, as I said, if you compare it to the you know the role in the squad that James McCarthy had, I, I think it'd be a smart piece of business. Have we decided a player called Jake O'Brien from Cork. Was that I think that's else? why I've got. Is it? I can't yeah. remember the lad from Huddersfield, but he's he's no Brian as well. But we've just okay. signed another O'Brien from. We're Cork. just trying to add O'Brien's to the squad. <laughs> um, Joe, obviously being a Watford player, I'm obviously a huge fan of uh, of Will Hughes. Joe, but uh, are you are you a fan? Um, I. I I must say, in the last few years, I might have kept my eye off the ball a bit. I, I remember when he was at Derby and he was this very highly rated player yeah. and um, went to Watford and probably expected him to kick on. But I don't know, obviously didn't maintain that level. We might have changed a bit as a player. I think he's a little bit more defensive in his, yeah, in his work. He plays deeper now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he is surprisingly, I think because he started so young at Derby, he is, I think he's still in his mid-20s. 26. So, 26, yeah. so I mean, there's been whispers of Kuyate's contract is probably not going to get renewed. So there's been whispers about maybe trying to move him on now. And they say we we might we're in that position now. If we're if we're going to plan long term as a bit more spread out than just one whole all action summer like we've just had, we probably do need to think about life after James McCarthy as well. So mm. the, yeah. the, it might that all of that might factor in to someone like Will Hughes becoming available and being a worthwhile purchase. I'm, I'm open to seeing how it plays out. But again, as you guys said, I, I wouldn't want us to be paying tens, 10 million or anything like that yeah. in the last, I think come the last day of the deadline and he's a uh, chance of the deadline. He's still there. I think, I think they'll be desperate to get rid of him. because I don't think he's playing at all. I think we'll send them some out, out of date Christian, the Porsons or something like that. That's what yeah. we'll just, you know, <laughs> always work. Um, Let's move, we've got to, we've got to preview the Brentford game in a minute. Before we do that, here's a final question from Wheelman. Hi, Wheelman. Hi, Wheelman. He says, should hashtag Nan Pam have her own song and what should it be? Nan Pam style. Nan Pam style. <laughs> 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 
With the dance. That wins it. That wins it. Yeah. Get the hole style. Got the hole of the homestyle doing Nampam style. I, uh, <laughs> I was gonna call this podcast uh something Joe said earlier, which was protect your optimism. But I think I've got to call it Nampam style now, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Nampam style. That that yeah. wins it. I saw that question earlier and I did put some some thought to it, but no, Ke- Kevin's absolutely won that. That's uh, hands down. I was thinking maybe um Nampam. There's no need to feel down. <laughs> no, it's not quite as good as an amp style. So. Anyway, um, thank you for all your questions. Please do keep sending them in each week. Um, after the break, we're going to preview that game against Brentford. <laughs> Welcome back to part four of the five-year plan podcast. Hey. First actual pod of the season, a game to review and a game to preview. God, it feels like it's been ages. Um, Brentford at home is a game on Saturday. Uh, going to be a very difficult game indeed. Brentford had a great start to the season, 2 0 win against Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal at home would have been the ideal start for us, to be honest, um, but never mind. And we've had a few questions regarding that game, including from Steve Zaha Ellis. Hi, Steve. Hello, Steve. Who says, Steve. Does Gallagher automatically come into midfield versus Brentford? Kevin? I would think so. I would think Anderson will start. I would think Gallagher will start. Um, it was really interesting that Brentford Arsenal game because uh, Arsenal fans, understandably, few, it didn't take a lot for Brentford to beat Arsenal, no. to be perfectly honest. Um, and the one thing I was really uh, optimistic about watching Brentford is they really push those wing backs on. They leave a lot of space behind those wing backs that I think we would be able to exploit far more than. Arsenal did whether Brentford play that way away from home I, I don't know but it wasn't you know it, 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 it wasn't one of those first games where a promoted team comes up full of adrenaline and, and batters away and bullets yeah they 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 physically outmuscled Arsenal they're not a particularly big team Ivan Tony's a good solid player up front but they they really Arsenal were poor they really I mean I know they had a few players missing but Arsenal were were really poor especially at the back and I, I, I really hope that Brentford you know, I'm sure their manager will be spending the whole week saying to their players look this, this you've got a really hard game coming up at Sellers Park and I really hope that their players are just thinking no no we've sussed the Premier League we'll be fine because <laughs> um, I think this is an important game it's, it's, it, it's an important game for Pat you know, we need to see how we re- react from from last week. I I think looking at that Brentford game, we're a better team than Brentford are. You know, mm. touch wood. We've got better individual players, and I think we're going to be. I think we'll finish above Brentford. And I, I'm, but you know, it's one of those things where you're torn watching it because you think I want all the relegated teams to lose every single match because that'll make life much easier for us. But at the same time, it was hilarious that they beat they beat Arsenal, especially that all the way through the commentators again. They've they've got the long throw up their sleeve. They've they've hidden the long throw. They didn't do it in pre season, and you're thinking, well, Arsenal will know about the long throw. Oh no, they don't. I've <laughs> got no idea. What's that bloke doing polishing the ball with his jumper? I don't know what he's doing. He's thrown it a long way, isn't he? They just all watched it. There were um, there were some lovely scenes actually. As the first game back, it was oh, really nice. There were some really emotional scenes. The old Brentford boy crying. And oh, that it, was, was, that it was, was really it, nice. It, it, it was, it was brilliant. You wouldn't wish anything more for them. It was fantastic. You know, it's probably some of the older ones wishing it was one last season at Griffin Park before moving there. But yeah, it's it a wonderful football story. But in terms of Brentford as a football team, 
the fact that they beat Arsenal, I don't think means they're going to be challenging for the mid, even mid table in the Premier League. And I'm hoping that will be the reality check. Yeah, hopefully. The thing is, Joe, and there were a few people tweeting and pundits tweeting, uh, oh, this Brentford game is going to be huge for Vieira now. It, obviously, any game against a team that's going to be down there is big in the Premier League because you have to get your points where you can. And obviously, because of this run of games you've got, yeah, it does it does sort of single out as a game you, you'd want to win. So there will be a bit of pressure on it. But what are you expecting from Palace in terms of a response to, uh, to Saturday? Well, I... As, as Kevin hinted, I think we see a much different starting eleven. Uh, one that plays to uh, Vieira's strengths a lot more. I'd think. Um, my only caution is that they, even though they are promoted side, that at this particularly after last week, but even before that, a promoted sides when if they stick to their guns and their philosophy, they're pretty much already a winning team. They've got they're they're confident. They have a bit of momentum. They they know their plan. They've only brought in one or two players. They know exactly how they're going to play. Whereas, if, I guess if you're trying something new and you're still working things out. That's not that's not you know the best team that you want to go out and play against. I'd much rather our game this weekend was against a similar sort of mid-table Premier League side in trans, who are also trying new things. A, a Newcastle would be my first choice, of words. <laughs> but um, I, can't we just that, can't we just play them thirty-eight times? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that seems fair enough. But um, uh, yeah, that that would be my only kind of reason to be cautious. And and I think I think we're going to see us working things out again as the game goes along, uh, the key is that we don't go behind in the first half and people start, you know, there might be some people who they don't have the diamond hands as some of uh, the rest of us do and just completely start to crumble and doom gloom and all that stuff. Hopefully, hopefully we, we see positive signs. I think for, for a lot of the reasons we've spoken about over the, what happened on the weekend, I think we need to, some of them might carry over to this Saturday, but I would like to think we've got enough to, to be a lot more positive on the front foot and hopefully get the result as well. I think we will be if Anderson starts, if Gallagher starts, if Benteke starts. Yeah. Um, Jack, I want to ask you your preview on the game quickly. Before I do that, we had a few questions about these, the new digital ticket system at Palace. Um, people asking questions about what do they do with their digital tickets. I will say go to the FRP Twitter, twitter.com forward slash FRP fanzine. Rob has done a little thread on how to get your match ticket into your fan wallet um, yeah. and, and sort that out. It is very useful, so do check that out. Um, I'll quickly yeah. say, just to add to that, if, that, if Rob's... Uh, suggestion doesn't work which is the case with mine it's because you're not the lead ticket account holder so it will be mm. who are, basically if you're the lead account holder for a number of tickets you get all of the passes and all of the. so you have to email pdfs and stuff like that but uh, well said because that's actually exactly what happened with me and jd senior so thank right. you that actually really helps <laughs> yeah. uh with my one but yeah very very good uh addition there um jack i assume you've got uh your ticket sorted um preview then for Saturday what are you expecting from from Palo what are you hoping for I'm hoping for closer to our first choice 11 of what's available and you guys have already touched on on those likely to come in I think that will make us a better team for definite um and uh, not to play scared you know to, to go out it's 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 an important game but it's not do or die so you know this isn't the game to get you know us safe from relegation this is you know the first home game of the season so not to play with too much you know trepidation um, it'd be nice to see some, you know, some attacking football. That that would be <laughs> a pleasure for for Palace fans. Um, I, I, you know, my expectation of the game is that Brentford are probably the more experienced unit in terms of Joseph's touch point. They've only bought one one new signing. I think two. Oh, sorry, I think two debutants at the weekend for them. Um, whereas we're likely to have three or four new players in in our starting lineup that haven't played with each other and in a new system. 
Um, and one of the benefits of Brentford's model is that they're very uh, true to a model in, in terms mm. of their formation. We've obviously been talking about Palace's um, issues with that under a new manager. So I think it's going to be a tough game. As Kevin said, I think we have the better players on the pitch and therefore I hope that we will you know, uh, come away from the game with, with a win, if not a draw. Um, and I think it will just be a good day all round. I hope the weather's great. I hope the atmosphere is wonderful and I hope that Palace turn up. Um, Brentford are a decent side. They've got a very good striker. Um, they've got a decent group of players, as I, as I touched on. Um, but I, I just hope it's a good day and I hope come 10 to 5 on, on Saturday, the red and blue bars full and I hope people are streaming back to the stations with smiles on their faces. That is a beautiful place to end the podcast. Thank you, Jack. That's lovely. And uh, yeah, thank you to all our listeners for your questions. Please keep sending them in. Uh, thank you to you three, Kevin, uh, Jack, and Joe. Solid debut. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, More than solid. More, More than, than solid. solid. More than solid. Very good debut. Yes. Uh, I hope much. you'll join us again at some point. Yeah, for sure. I'm the Joachim Anderson of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be great to have you back on. Fantastic. Um, and thanks to all our listeners. Don't forget to go to theathletic.com forward slash FYP for 50% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And we'll be back with you next week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.